Hey there, family. Welcome back to a whole new podcast here at U-Turn Orlando. We're so psyched to have you guys. For all those of you who want to have more information on our church, go ahead to www.myuturnorlando.com. We love you guys. Enjoy. The service. I'm going to pick up your surveys. I'm going to do something a little different today. Um, We're going to go ahead and read the word of God, but I want everyone to stand up this morning as we do that. Amen. Amen. And if you didn't bring your Bibles, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. The good thing is uh, we got a big old screen right here that's going to have the scriptures on there, so it's going to be good. Amen. Amen. For those that haven't been joining us, or maybe you're new this morning, uh, we've been going through a series called Grow Up. Everybody say Grow Up. Grow Up. And uh, it's, it's been something that has been life-changing, at least for me. How many have been uh, feeling that it's been life-changing for them? Amen. 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 Also, we have um, our sermon notes on, uh, on, on, where you can get them on your phone. Amen. So you can go to our website, myuturnorlando.com. Once you get on there, you'll see a tab that says notes. And as I'm preaching, you can actually follow along, write your own notes and all that stuff. That way, when you go back home and you're like, you know, what did he say? Or, what, you know, that was a good scripture. Where can I find it? You can go right back into your notes and even send an email to yourself um, regarding the notes that you put. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Uh, today... Uh, I'm going to be talking about God's masterpiece. Amen. Amen. Let me just give you who that is. That's you. Yes. We are God's masterpiece. Turn to your neighbor and say, you, you, you're a masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. Amen. 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 Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Let's look at the screen. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And I pray, Father God, that it will penetrate our hearts. I pray, Father God, that it will touch us deeply, Father God. I pray for those that are out because of being sick, God, and, and different things that they're going through, Father. I pray that healing would come, God, and I pray that you would touch every single person, God, that was not able to make it here today. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Amen. Just like my wife said, my name is Pastor Richard. Um, We are the pastors of this church. And so if you're new here, we welcome you. We love you. We want to meet you after the service. Amen. And then uh, I want to reemphasize the connection card. Um, You want to get this free gift because it's special? Come on, somebody. And uh, so uh, right after the service, we'll go ahead and give you some instructions where to put that connect card. Amen. And then we also want to highlight Easter. Easter is a big, big day. It's like a Super Bowl. It's the World Series. People don't go. People don't go to church no other day, but they come to Easter Sunday. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so this is your opportunity to invite the person that has not come that you've been inviting. Amen. 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 We are God's masterpiece. Amen. We are God's masterpiece. Um, as I was studying, I read across this story about Billy Taylor, and I want to write this. I mean, I want to read this for you. It says this. It says there is a guy named Billy Taylor. He is a junkyard specialist. Come on, how many have been to the junkyard? Amen. Something special about this guy. 
Billy Taylor goes to the junkyard to find stuff that other folks have thrown away, discarded, and considered no good or even worthless. But Billy Taylor brings it back to his garage, turns the junk into contemporary art pieces, which then he sells for upward $5,000 a piece. He goes and finds junk that is worthless in everybody else's eyes and then turns it into a masterpiece. Amen. When Billy Turner looks at the junk, he sees more than meets the eye. He sees a masterpiece in the making. He takes things that are worthless and makes them into something beautiful. Come on, somebody. Amen. That's what Jesus does. Amen. I wrote this down. Well, you know you have been worthless before you met Jesus. We were been worthless before we met Jesus. I'll tell you my story. I was worthless without Jesus. Amen. I was a person that was... Uh, getting high and getting drunk, and I wasn't even 15 years old yet. I lived in one of the worst neighborhoods in Chicago, very similar to Pine Hills. In fact, I believe it was like 10 times worse than Pine Hills. My environment was wrong. My mentality was wrong. The way I thought was completely off. But Jesus, when he came to me, he didn't look at this person that other people might have looked past and said, oh, that's junk. I can't do nothing with that. He didn't look at me and say, oh, he's a hopeless case. Look at the family he comes out of. Look at the neighborhood he comes out of. Look at the way he thinks. Look at the way he acts. On the contrary, when Jesus looked at me in my worst state, he didn't look at junk. He said, there goes my masterpiece. Amen. Amen. There goes my masterpiece. I don't care if right now he has to get high. I don't care if right now he needs to get drunk to numb the pain of everything that he's gone through as a child. Even though as society looks at him like he's nothing, I look at him like he has a purpose. Amen. Amen. The same thing goes with you. I mean, there's so many people that you might have heard and said, man, you, you're, you're up to no good. Uh, you have no purpose. I mean, how many times are you going to continue to do that? And though God does convict and though God co uh, corrects and all that stuff, he looks at you, my friend, as a masterpiece. Amen. My friend, we're only a masterpiece because we are in his hands. But without Jesus, how many know we're lost? Amen. We're nothing. We're empty vessels that the enemy will gladly come and continue to destroy. We're only masterpieces in the Lord's hands. We're only masterpieces to the public only when after Jesus has cleaned us up and fixed us and put us all back together again. You know, he might have found us in the junkyard, but how many know we're worth something now? Amen. He might have found us in the gutter. He might have found us in the miry clay. People might have talked about us. But how many know when the powder put his hands on that damaged clay, which is you and I, oh, he put it back together again. Where people see now the clean version of us. They see the nice, clean cut version of us. We talk right now. We speak right now. We think right now. All because of Jesus. Oh, because of Jesus. He is able to take junk and make it a masterpiece. That's a beautiful thing. 
When everybody else walked away and when everybody walked by us and they didn't think nothing of us, it was Jesus that said, oh, that's a masterpiece. You just don't see what I see. You don't know what I put in that person. I have put something special. I have put purpose inside of that person's life. Yes, Amen. We're a masterpiece. Come on, we might not always act like a masterpiece, but we're a masterpiece. We might not always think like a masterpiece, but we're a masterpiece in God's hand. And why are we a masterpiece? Well, let me let you know that you, the reason why, first of all, we are a masterpiece is because we're made in God's image. And that's why whether they're black, white, Puerto Rican, what neighborhood, the reason why we respect people, whether they're saved, Christian or not, is because that person is made in the image of God. That's why in Pine Hills, we need to learn and we need to fight to stop the violence. Why? Because the people that are being murdered are made in God's image. They are also masterpieces in God's hands. And you might say, well, what do we have to do? Well, as a church, we need to reach those people because only in God's hands do they become that masterpiece. We need to pray, like I said this morning, that if my people call by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek his face, then God will hear from heaven and he will heal our land. He will heal families. He will heal communities. But it is up to the people of God to do what they're supposed to do. Amen. Amen. It starts with us. And it starts all week. It doesn't, always, it doesn't only stop on Sunday, uh, Sunday service. Right. It has to happen on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. We got to live this thing. How do, how, and some of you might be asking, how, do, how are we in God's image? Number one, we're made in the image of God mentally. Yes. Humans have the, the, the ability to reason and to make choices. Yes. I mean, you know, animals have that to a certain degree. But people have the ability to reason and to make choices. But you know what happens when, even though we're in the image of God, sin causes mental illness. Mental illness was never a part of God's plan. But when sin came into the, to the world through Adam and Eve, the original sin, that is the thing that caused the illness. It was never a, God, a part of God's plan. What, what are you trying to say? What I'm trying to say is that if you put your life in the hands of God, he is able still to heal. Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. We're also made in the image of God morally, right? There are some people that are unhealthy, that their moral actions don't match up to having in the image of God, right? But if somebody is healthy, we all feel bad when we do something wrong, don't we? And some might be saying, oh, that's by chance. No, my friend, that's not by chance. It's because we're made in the image of God, and we have an inward conviction that because God has molded us and shaped us and we were fearfully and wonderfully made by God's hand, he put a little dab of his conviction in every single human being. And so that's why we are made in God's image, not only mentally, but morally. That's why when you're not saved, you feel guilty. And when you are saved, you feel conviction. Conviction leads you to God. And guilty just lets you know that God put something in there. And the enemy distorts it and tries to put you away from God. Because that's what guilt does. Guilt leads to condemnation, which leads you to draw away from God and stop coming to church. Guilt comes and, and tries to lead you away from God. Conviction, my friend, leads you to God. Amen. And we're also made in his image socially. 
Amen. God desires to have a relationship with us. And the reason why God wants relationship with us is because he's a triune God. What does that mean? He's a trinity. He's three people in one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There is a community, a divine community. And that's why you and I need friends, godly friends. That's why we need to be social inside of the body of Christ within the church. That's why we like going out to restaurants and chilling. Right? That's why when you had the Super Bowl, you invited people over and ate some pizza and some wings and some soda, and then you regretted it the next day. Didn't you? Right? Well, because we're social beings. And the reason why we're social beings is because we're made in the image of God. Yeah. You want friends. You want people to call you. You want your daughter to call you. You want to talk to your son. You want your son to talk back. Why? Because you are made in the image of God. And that's a beautiful picture of our desire, or God's desire, rather, to have a relationship with you. God doesn't only just want to talk to you. He wants you to talk back. Amen. In prayer and his word. Amen. We're made in God's image. That's why we are a masterpiece. Because we're made in his image. Amen. And in his hands, we become that masterpiece. But not only that, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says this, we are made anew in Christ. What does that mean? That when we give our lives to Christ, that he makes everything new. Amen. The only way that we become new is only in Christ. We become a masterpiece in his hands, and we become new in his hands. What does that mean? That God begins to fix everything that was damaged because of Eve and Adam, or Adam and Eve. Right? The Bible even calls Jesus the second Adam. Why? Because he came to fix everything. Everything is through Christ and in Christ. Without Christ, you cannot become anew. You cannot become brand new. Can somebody say amen? And not only that, but verse 10 says, so that we can do good things he planned for us a long time ago. So you might be saying, well, why am I a masterpiece? And why does God uh, change me into a new creation? The reason why, let's put that scripture up, is because he has a plan for your life. It says, look at for God, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can what? Do the good things he planned for us. When? He decided that yesterday? No. He decided that this Sunday? No. Before you were even conceived in your mother's womb, God says, I knew you. And I have already created your purpose. I've already created your calling a long time ago. And some of us, we walk around with no purpose and no calling. And my friend, sometimes that's what the enemy uses to lie to us. But this is what the Bible says. Every single purpose has, every single person has a purpose. You might have been an accident to your parents. But you are definitely not an accident to God. I'm going to say that again, because I've you know, experienced people that said that, that they said, oh, this, this, I, I, we didn't plan her, we didn't plan him. Oh, you might have not, but God planned them. You might have not, but it was always in God's mind to create you. If not, you would not have a purpose today. Amen. Amen. I love what Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 says. He says this, he says, says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you. I'm going to ask you some questions and I'm going to give you the answer, okay? 
When I ask you a question, the answer is God did. Now don't mess up because I'm a front child. Who formed you? God did. Who knew you before your parents? God did. Who appointed you to do what he has called you to do? When everybody gave up on you and didn't believe in you, who believed in you? Come on, somebody. DJ Khaled said that. Some of you don't know who he is, but you better Google him. He's pretty funny. But it's very powerful. Man, you know, some of us, our parents didn't believe in us, but guess who believed in us? God did. Some of us thought that we would never be out of that addiction or out of that lifestyle. But you know who did? God did. Some of us believe that we will never leave that neighborhood because, you know, that's the way we have to live and that's the way we have to do it. No, no, no. But God says, I'm going to change you and I'm going to use you to change that neighborhood. Who said that? God did. God did. Who say, hey, you don't have to fear because of the stuff that's going around in your world because I never will leave you or forsake you. Who said that? God did. God did. Amen. Amen. There's a story in the Bible that I love, and these are the main points. It kind of it shows us the kind of person that Jesus is after. Amen? In the, in the kingdom of God, there's different stages spiritually. There is the lost and found is what I call. Right? We're, we, were all, we were all there. We were all lost, and Jesus yes. found us. Amen? And he cleaned us up. And how I many you know when you find something from the lost and found, whether it's at your job or at your school, you grab something real nice, but you don't put it on. You know what you do? You put that thing in the washer because you don't know people's lifestyle. Come on, somebody. Amen. Oh, but when you get that thing out of the washer and you put it in the dryer and you put those, whatever they call that, the, the thing that makes it smell good. What is it? The dryer sheets. Come on, so downy. You get the one with the little bear on it. It smells delicious, right? You get the one with the Febreze. You get that thing out of it, you smell really good. It smells really good. You don't smell really good yet because you haven't put it on, right? That's us. Jesus, he takes us out of the lost and found, puts us inside of a washer. He puts us inside of a dryer, and guess what he does? He says, I'm going to use you. And you know what he does? He puts you on. And so when you start ministering, you think it's you, but it really isn't. It is you when being put on by Jesus. Amen. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. What is Jesus looking for? Let's look at this really quickly. Chapter 5, verse 1. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 says this. It says, one day, uh, uh, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, uh, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon Peter, and asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said, Simon Peter, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon, Simon responded like most of us would have. Simon answered, Master... We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down my nets. Verse 6 says, And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. 
For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. Verse 10, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. Everybody say, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled the boats up on shore and left everything. Everybody say everything. Everything. And followed him. What is the kind of person that Jesus is looking for? Number one, he's looking for available people. Everybody yes. say available. available. If you look at the story, Jesus was ministering, and obviously I guess some people were not hearing him. Because back in the day, what they would do is they would stand in an elevated position so that they and they would have the ocean behind them purposely so that their voice would project farther. So I guess Jesus was not in a position where everybody in the back could hear him. And so what did he do? He says, hey, do you hear some boats? Let me get on top of the boat so that I can speak and so that my voice can project. Notice that Jesus didn't ask for permission. He didn't ask Peter, hey, you think I can use your boat so that these people can hear me? No, he didn't do that. He just got on the boat and he began to preach. He didn't ask for permission. And my friends, sometimes the reason why God is not using us is because he always has to ask for permission to get into your boat. The reason why we're not fulfilling our purpose is because we're saying, Jesus, that's inconvenient for you to get in my boat after I work so hard. How dare you get in my boat? How dare you not ask me for permission to get in my boat? And then he'll probably remind you that day where you said, God, use me. Use me as much as you want. I just want to be used. And here he comes. Here's the moment. And when you're the most tired, when it's the most inconvenient, but this is the time he needs you to get inside of the boat or he needs to get inside of your boat. And the reason why we don't fulfill his purposes is because when he gets inside of our boat, we begin to give him a whole list of excuses. Oh, I can't do that, and I can't do this, and I don't have time. I don't have time for that. Do you know how many children I have? No, Peter said, hey, get in my boat. Go ahead. Use it. Use my boat. Peter was available. He was available. Now, in the natural mind, he might think, oh, I'm making myself available to a natural man. No, my friend, the Bible says, whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. And when Peter allowed Jesus, the actual Lord, to get into his boat, he was doing it as worship. You know, when you are available to God, it is as worship to God. When it's the hardest time to be available to God, it is as worship to God. God notices it. Yes, Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. Are you allowing Jesus into your boat? Amen. Or do you come up with so many excuses? And do I come up with so many excuses to kick him off the boat? Oh. Right? We don't see it like that. But Peter could easily told Peter, uh, Jesus, hey, you know, can you ask for permission? This is an expensive boat. I didn't, I didn't give you permission to get in my boat. But it's Jesus, though. And I, he asked him, God, use me. Why do we say that? Peter didn't say that, but we say that. God, use me. God, I want to do everything. I want to go to the nations. He says, okay, go to the nations. I want you to go to the nations. Let me get in your boat first. Amen. Oh, I want to be used to create such a big business. I want to make an impact in my community. Let me get into your boat first. Amen. I can't use you if you're not available. I can't use you if you keep on kicking me off the boat. Amen. Amen. Oh, somebody. Amen. God is looking for available people. Yes, 
This is an acronym. So that's the letter A. The letter F is what? Faithful. Everybody say faithful. Faithful. It says in verse 4, it says, When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked all, all night, and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the net. I wrote this down. Faithfulness is seen when something doesn't make sense, but we do it anyways. Why? Because Jesus told us to do it. Let me, just, let me just share something with you. Everybody that I talk to that's a pastor that's planted a church, they, they, they ha always have a kind of a smirk after I tell them where I'm at. <laughs> like Pine Hills. They always say, oh, you're there. Oh, you, you decided to plant a church there in Pine Hills. You know, because uh, the, the, uh, the way it's supposed to be done is you go to a, a neighborhood that everybody wants to live in, right? Avalon Park, Baldwin Park. Winter Park. You go there, a real nice neighborhood, and then you plant a church there. Right? Because you get all the nice people and educated people and the people with the money. Until God says, I don't want you to go there. I want you to go to Pine Hills. Right? When you're faithful, it doesn't make sense sometimes. It won't make sense to you. It won't make sense to the people that are doing the exact same thing you're doing. But because you are faithful... Right? Because you are faithful. You are willing to do something that does not make sense. Why? Because he told you to. Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. You know, Peter was a fisherman. Professionally. He made his living as a fisherman. Jesus was a carpenter. That's like somebody telling you how to cook. A chef, right? Some of you know how to really cook, right? How many know how to really cook? Right? And you, you know how to cook. And then here comes somebody that has no clue how to cook. They're trying to give you instructions on in how to cook. That's the same thing Peter, uh, Jesus telling Peter what to do. Jesus was a carpenter. He didn't know how to fish. He knew how to build a table. You know what I'm saying? He don't know how to fish. But here's Jesus, here's Peter, talking to Jesus. Master, I've worked all night. I know what I'm, in other words, this is what Peter said. I know what I'm doing. Right? You're telling me to do something that don't make sense. We don't fish during the day, number one, because it's too hot during the day, and the fish don't come out during the day. They come out at night, and it's cooler in the night because the sun is not out. But because you say so, Jesus, because you said that I should do it, let me go ahead and do it, right? You can tell he had a little bit of an attitude. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, here, but here's Peter. He was obedient. He was being faithful, even though he didn't understand, even though it went against his intellect and his knowledge and his experience. And because he did so, he made and caught a big catch. You know what faithful people say? Lord, because you say so, I will. Amen. That's what faithful people say. God, I don't feel like going to church, but because you say so, I will. I don't feel like serving in the impact team. Because you say so, I will. I don't feel like coming to Pine Hills and planning a church, but because you say so, I will. Amen. That's what faithful people do. That's what disciples do. Come on, somebody. Amen. So I mentioned the, the lost and found, right? Jesus puts us on and he finds us. And then we become children. We talked about that two weeks ago. Last week we talked about how to be a maturing Christian. Today we're talking about how to be spiritually a young adult. And a young adult spiritually is a person that's available and faithful. But guess what? They're also teachable. Amen. Amen. They're also teachable. 
Look at verse 6 says, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. You know why that happened? Because they were willing to be taught by Jesus. They were willing to be taught. Verse 7 says, so they signaled their partners in other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Some of you, when you begin to start being faithful, you are going to be blessed so much that you're going to have to call other people and tell them, hey, come over here and see the blessings that God has done in my life. That's what Peter did. He says, man, it's so much. The blessing is so much. I can't handle it myself. I'm going to have to ask for help. And you're going to ask for help from your family. And your family members are going to come. And your friends are going to come. Why? Because they are going to see the power of God upon your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. That should excite you. Amen. Amen. Teachable. I'm going to go through this really quickly. Proverbs teaches us a few things about people that are not teachable. Number one, Proverbs teaches us that uh, a person that's not teachable is actually an evil person or a mocker. A mocker of the things of God, they're never going to be teachable. Let me read this to you really quickly. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 6, it says, Anyone who rebukes a mocker will get insulted in return. Anyone who correct, corrects the wicked will get hurt. So don't bother correcting a mocker. They will only hate you. So when somebody corrects you, even though the correction is to lead you towards Christ, they start mocking you. And many times they might not do it in front of you, but they start talking about the, talking to you about, to, about you to their wives and to their husbands and to their family members. But inwardly, they're just a mocker. And then Proverbs talks about a fool. Everybody say a fool. No, there ain't nobody, there's no fools here. Amen. Amen. Hopefully. Amen. Proverbs after chapter 18, verse 2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only expressing his opinion. Does anybody know a fool? Yeah. We all know fools, right? Yeah. Fools, they'll sit you down and they'll let you they'll let you talk to them for hours and give you some really good advice. But they have no interest in understanding. I have no interest in what you got to say. The minute you walk away from them, they forget everything. They forget all the instructions. They forget all the advice. They forget the next assignment. They're like, oh, they have foggy brain, right? They, have, they can't remember nothing. Why? Because they're a fool. They have no interest in understanding. What they're really interested in is airing out their own opinion. Their own opinion. And that's a fool. A fool is not a teachable person. You can't teach a fool. You can't teach a mocker. But you know who you can teach? A wise person. A wise person. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 8 says, but correct the wise. It says, uh, is that it? It says, uh, verse 8, uh, so don't bother correcting a mocker. They will only, but correct the wise and they will love you. Next verse. But it says, instruct the wise and they will be even wiser. Teach the righteous, and they will learn even more. I think there's some more, right? Look at this. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom, knowledge of the Holy One, resulting good judgment. Verse 11 says this. It says, wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. Amen. Yeah. Well, so what does that mean? Let's go back. What does that mean? If you're wise and it adds years to your life, what if you're a mocker and a fool? Does it add years to your life? No. No. 
Does that mean that us as people, if we don't wise up and start living according to the word of God, that we can shorten the days of our lives? Absolutely. There's people in the grave right now that should not be in the grave. But because they lived a foolish life, because they mocked God and his kingdom and the way he does things, they ended up in the grave sooner. Last verse right here, verse 12. It says, if you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. Teachable. A wise person is teachable. They don't just spew their opinions. There's nothing wrong with giving your opinions. But when you're wrong, you're wrong, my friend. When I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And if I need to adjust, I need to adjust. Number four, the letter E means excited. Luke, Luke chapter 5 verse 9 says this. For he and all his companions were astonished. Everybody say astonished. At the catch of fish that God, that he had taken up. My friend, the reason why there's no excitement in your life, could, could it be, is it because we're, we're not being faithful and we're not being available? And could it be because we're not teachable and we're just acting a fool? Right? Because how many of you know if foolishness leads to suffering? I mean, there ain't nothing to be excited about when you're suffering. There's nothing to be excited about when you're suffering. Oh, my friend, but when you start becoming available, and when you begin to allow God, Jesus, to get into your boat, and when you start being faithful because you say so, Jesus, I'm going to do it. I don't always feel like doing it, but because you told me to, I'm going to do it. Oh, excitement begins to build up with inside of your life when you become wise and you begin to see the results of walking in the fear of God, which is the beginning of wisdom. You begin to get excited. Why? Because now you are experiencing the benefits of walking with Jesus. Amen. You should be excited to come inside of the house of God. You should be excited to come and worship Jesus. You should be excited. You should have a big smile on your face. Oh, you don't know what I go through in the mornings. My friend, it doesn't matter. Leave that at the door. You are coming into the presence of Jesus where everything can change. Everything can change. Everything can change. Amen. You know what else? Other than being excited that a person that is growing in the Lord, they're responsive. Yes. They respond. Yes. Look at verse 10. It says, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And look what the response were. Jesus says, hey, I know this might get you a little nervous, the fact that this miracle happened and you've never seen it. He says, oh, but there's so much more you're going to see. Amen. Jesus saw the 3,000 people that Peter preached to when Jesus died and resurrected, and he stood in the upper room. There was Peter that said, preached the first message, and 3,000 people were saved. Amen. He says, you have no idea what my plans are. Amen. You have no idea. Right now, you're seeing fish come inside of a boat. Sooner or later, you're going to change the world. You're going to change the world. So what it says, it says, and so Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Next verse. It says, so they pulled their boats up on shore. What did they do? They left everything 
and followed him. Be like, they left everything because they saw fish come inside of the boat? No, they left everything because they heard the call of God. Yes. They heard the call of God. Yes. Some of you are hearing the call of God this morning. Yes. Some of you are hearing the call of God saying, leave everything and follow me. Amen. Now, he doesn't promise that it's going to be easy. I've been doing this for over 20 years. I'm going to just tell you right now, it ain't going to be easy. But I'm going to tell you this. It's not going to be easy. But it's going to be worth it. Yes. Amen. Amen. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. When you see God move through you, when you see God move in you, when you see God bless you, when you respond to the call of God, you're saying, this is what Peter and James and, and, and John said, hey, I'm all in. I put, I'll put my boat up. I'll stop my business. I'll do whatever you ask me to do, Jesus. I am all in. I don't care what kind of trial I'm going through. I don't care what my family is tempting me to do. I don't care what they're saying about me. I am all in with Jesus. There's a response. It's like that song we say. Just like that song we say. Amen. This all stand this morning. It's the kind of person that Jesus is after. Jesus is after available people. He's after faithful people. He's after teachable people. He's after excited people. He's after responsive people. You want to see miracles inside of your life. We got to be the person that Jesus is after. Come on, lift up your hands this morning. Just begin to worship Jesus. There's no need to fear. He says, fear not. Fear not. Don't fear following me fully. Don't fear it. Because God is with us. God is with you. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to stop in for a whole new podcast. We love you, familia.